now listening to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast, Super Bowl Week Part 2. I'm Alex Shane here with Rich Hill. On Tuesday, we broke down the Patriots' send-off rally and the defense going up against a very potent Rams offense. Now we're here talking about the Patriots' offense, what they could do against the Rams' defense. Rich Hill, we only have two podcasts to go, this one in the postgame, so it's time to bring it. You know, we got to do our job. We got to still be here. Whatever all those things are, we're we're doing it. We're doing it live. Um, So, I mean, Alec, it's been a real pleasure. Three straight Super Bowls. Love it, love it, love it. Last time we were on this, we've talked about the New England Patriots defense against that Los Angeles Rams offense, one of the best offenses in the entire league, and honestly one of the best offenses in the past 20 years. If you look at a lot of the statistics, extraordinary offense that the Patriots will have to face. But we got a lot to break down before then. You know, a lot to break down before Sunday comes around. So, Alec, where do you want to start? I'll start with something I think that hasn't gotten enough attention in the media this week. Maybe just because of all the hype of Super Bowl week and everything that goes into it and interviewing the players and the Patriots, the underdog narrative, which we talked about on our, on our Tuesday podcast. But something I read that I thought was really, really cool and kind of a special thing that no one's really talking about was the relationship that apparently uh, that Bill Belichick and Sean McVay had developed over the course of the season. Uh, apparently Belichick texts him. Um, which blows my mind that he actually knows how to text more than anything <laughs> else. Um, but the fact that he sees enough in McVeigh to to be in communication with him on a regular basis, maybe McVeigh's asking him questions, running stuff by him, Belichick offering some advice and guidance and mentorship in some capacity. I think that's pretty cool, and I think it speaks a lot to the kind of coach McVeigh is, even at a young age of 32. Yeah, it's true. I mean, McVeigh is the the hot young thing right now in the league, and every single person who has any sort of relation to him is getting hired. You know, if you coached with him at one point five years ago, you're going to get a starting job, and uh, if Belichick needs the, that magic to retain his, so be it. You know, I mean, we've talked about how Tom Brady sucks the life force and the power out of all of his backup quarterbacks to extend his career. Maybe Belichick's doing a little bit of that black magic on McVay, or maybe you know he he just knew that McVay would be playing him in the Super Bowl, so he tried to to get as much insight as possible. I love it. I love it. Belichick is such a student of the game. He loves the history. He knows that he's towards the end of his career. McVay is the future. I love that dynamic, and I'm here just supporting whatever relationship they want to have. I'll tell you, man, the fact that it's not all that far-fetched that Belichick kind of had a feeling the Rams would be in the Super Bowl early on and has been, like, playing the long game, just, like, stringing McVay along to, like, totally pull a, a left turn into nowhere, the fact that it isn't, like, a ridiculous theory just is, is, is it speaks so much about the kind of coach Bill Belichick is, his level of preparation and how crazy he goes into it. Ernie Adams somewhere probably sent him a, a, a message saying, you got to get in Sean McVay's head early because you're going to have to face him at some point. And you're right. He's an offensive genius. He's a very smart guy. He's good at – he built a – people talk about this. He built like a super team of, of NFL players. Like he, he went all in on this, and it took him two years to get this far. It's really impressive. However, Rich, one area where the Rams have been just okay and not not great this season is on defense. They have not been the best defense. They're very middle of the pack, which is weird seeing as they have one of the best interior pass rushers of all time in Donald. 
and Madama can sue. They have a very strong defensive line, and Aqib Tlaib's a great cornerback. But in terms of a defensive unit, they haven't quite put it all together, and they have been vulnerable at times, which I think bodes well for a Patriots offense that's really coming into a stride at the right time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you talk about the the Rams just being a powerhouse team. You look at all the players that they've acquired, they've definitely been less than the sum of their parts. You have Aaron Donald, as you mentioned, on the interior, and Dominican Sue, Michael Brockers. That is a very, very strong rotation of defensive tackles right there. They have Brockers rotate inside and out. But then they acquired Dante Fowler, the former third overall pick from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, they have Mark Barron, who's been there for a little bit, but he's another top pick that they got from the Buccaneers. They acquired Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib. These two were first-team All-Pros in 2016. Those are their cornerbacks. Uh, they got John Johnson, who's a young guy at strong safety, but they got LaMarcus Joyner, who's a very, very talented free safety. This team... Their defensive front is as good as any in the entire league. Their secondary has so much talent. I don't know why they've been just average over the course of the year. You know, you, you look at all the advanced stats, they are exactly average in DVOA, according to defense. You know, they rank 15th in the league, but they are within one percentage point of being an absolutely average team. They ranked 20th in the league in points allowed per game. I don't know what's going on, but if there is something that you can find and that you can exploit, what I'm, I'm sure that Josh McDaniels is going to find it, right? Yeah. I mean, I think the area where, again, ironically, based on that personnel you just listed, where the Rams are, are struggling the most is, which is good for the Patriots, they're struggling as, as run defense. They're not great against the run. And with a running attack that's lead, led by Sony Michelle and a nice change of pace back in James White and Rex Burkhead, who had a really strong, impactful game against the Chiefs a couple weeks ago, I think, you know, I don't know if we talked to ad nauseum, Rich, about how this 2018 Patriots kind of never really quite found their identity. In the playoffs, I think they are a running team that controls the clock. And if you have a potent offense like the Los Angeles Rams do and a relatively middle-of-the-road defense like the Los Angeles Rams do, that is the perfect offense to beat this team. If you can just run the ball with Sony Michelle, a couple of stretch runs, James White has the, the, the change of pace back, keep them on their toes, utilize the play action, get Gronk over the middle, maybe Edelman over the middle, Hogan on a couple of deep routes – that's a recipe for success in my book. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think let, let's start here. Let's start with talking about the Patriots rushing attack because Sonny Michel has been a revelation as of late. He already has the rookie record, I believe. He has five playoff touchdowns. That's the most by a rookie in NFL history. He still has a game to go. He could and should have a big day. And you look at this Rams defense, you're running to the teeth with Aaron Donald and Sue right there. But a big advantage that the Patriots would have there is just from size perspective, because you look at the linebackers of the Rams, the two linebackers that get the most time, Corey Littleton, Mark Barron. They are two linebackers that are 230 pounds. They are very, very small. And this is a situation where I think Rob Gronkowski, James Devlin, they should be able to blow out some space for Sony Michelle. Uh, even if there isn't as much opportunity for James White as a receiver because these guys are a little bit more agile in the open field. So, I mean, do you think Michelle can continue his hot streak here? I do. I, I, I've got nothing to, to go against it. You know, I, Obviously, I don't think they run a lot of 
A gap runs where James Devlin has to go up against Aaron Donald. But I think the the B gap and the C gap are wide open. The Patriots are good at utilizing toss plays. I can definitely see Cordero Patterson having a big game on some jet sweeps, maybe him in the backfield on a toss play. They're very creative with how they run the ball, which is interesting because how the Patriots have gotten kind of more old school as the NFL has gotten smaller and faster. The Rams haven't really seen a running attack like this in the postseason. I think that I guess Alvin Kamara is a very good running back, but he's a kind of a, a different beast altogether than what the Patriots bring to the table. And if you look at the way Sony Michelle has run this postseason, especially late into the year, he always falls forward. I don't think the Patriots lost a single yard uh, against the Chiefs. There wasn't any negative plays, with, except for maybe that that one, that fourth and one, where Rex Burkett got stuffed in the backfield. Like that was the only negative play of the entire game in the AFC Championship. And it's the way the Patriots are able to dominate the line of scrimmage, even against these talented talents like Donald and Sue and whatnot. I think that bodes well for Sony Michelle. I don't think he's going to get 30 carries. He can get 29 against the Chiefs. But I think if you can dictate the pace early and at least make them respect the run. Yeah, you know, I think there was a there was a stat where was it? I think you said it, Rich. When James Devlin and Sony Michelle were on the field, they ran it like 84 percent of the time. I think if they can do that and then run some play actions out of that package, that'll really confuse the Rams and open the whole game up for them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a Patriots running attack that has been carrying the team since that Steelers game. You, you talk to any of the players, and afterwards they're saying, you know what? That was a turning point. That was a turning point where we said we need to really just buckle down. We didn't have a a rah rah moment, but we all settled down and said. Let's just go do this. And they handed the ball off, and they did it. It opened up passing attempts. Julian Edelman looks as great as ever. Uh, you know, Philip Dorsett's been contributing. Gronk's had a couple good performances out there. So this has been a very, very strong shift for the Patriots with that rushing attack. And honestly, I love that idea of using Cordero Patterson on some end arounds. I feel like the Patriots haven't been using that as much as possible as of late. And I think they should. I honestly think they should because – the best way to counter a super aggressive defensive front is to catch them out of position. And that's like an easier said than done sort of thing, but you can manufacture them coming out of position. And that's with some end arounds where if they penetrate, well, they're already out of position because they need to move horizontally. And so if Cordell Patterson can hit the edge, if he can pick up just a few yards, that this defensive line is going to have to think, oh, maybe, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we shouldn't go right up the field. Maybe we should move horizontally. That'll open up the play for the Patriots going straight up the middle. They can maybe not go directly against Aaron Donald because that's just folly. But they, they can go towards the ends against Fowler or they can go against the end to against Brockers. They can find these weaknesses and they've had success in the past targeting these elite defensive linemen, whether it's J.J. Watt or Aaron Donald. They can do it. They can use that aggression against them, move them out of the position, and kind of just by enticing them, and that'll open everything up for the rest of the rushing attack. Yeah, and I think the rushing attack will, but they use to, you know, it's either you pass, set up the run, or you run it with the pass. I think in this scenario, they're running set up the pass because, as you mentioned, Aqib, they, they, they have good cornerbacks. Aqib Tlaib, he's a former Patriot. We all know him very well at his time in Denver, and he's just, but they haven't quite been as, as shut down as you'd expect based on the, the talent they have. Um, how do you see the Patriots receiving core, Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan, Philip Dorsett, Cordero Patterson, how do you see the Patriots receiving core matching up against the Rams secondary? Yeah, well, so what's interesting is that this Rams defense apparently looks like it was built to do a lot of man coverage. You got a lot of really good individual players, but they weren't as productive as you said. Tlaib played a few games before he was injured. He was placed on the IR before he was able to return. So they really had to shift their identity. And since Tlaib's returned, they've played a lot more of that zone defense. 
And so that's something to watch out for. They play a lot of zone. Taliba always stays on one side of the field. And so New England can use that to their advantage. We've seen how they're able to pick apart the zone defenses when they played the Chargers. They've been able to isolate players that don't move around the field. So I would expect to see James Devlin sacrifice against Aqib Talib at a few times just to get up some other more favorable matchups. I, I mean, there's a lot that the Patriots can do, but most importantly, when they're playing this zone defense, it's going to be time for Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski to really shine. You know, this is where the middle of the field becomes super effective and important because that's where the openings will be. You'll get their chances against these linebackers that are a little bit lighter, so they might be better in coverage, but they're not going to be perfect. I don't know if the the Rams have been able to defend tight ends well. I know that they've had a really tough roster. They've played George Kittle twice. They've had to play Zach Ertz, so they've had a really difficult stretch of tight ends. But Gronk is still good enough to to force them to consider so there should be a lot of opportunities in the middle of the field and so if i'm josh mcdaniels i'm going to draw up as many plays as possible that gets the ball to you know gronk deep edelman middle depth or james white in the middle of the field have them make a player or two miss and just keep moving the chains rich how much do you think they can take josh mcdaniels and company can take away from the ram saints game that was a very back and forth game neither offense really got into a rhythm it wasn't a high-scoring affair the way some predicted it might be. Do you think that the Rams and Saints is anything that can translate into Patriots-Rams, or are they two totally different beasts? Uh, I mean, the, the Patriots don't have the same players as the the Saints do, so it's kind of a, it's a difficult and different thing to compare. But there are some things that you can really, really draw from it. First off, Alvin Kamara... 13 targets, 11 catches, 96 yards. And if I'm the Patriots, I'm looking at that and saying, oh, this running back's able to produce a little bit. Interesting. Uh, Do we have a running back that leads the league in receptions and receiving yards over the past three years if you include the playoffs? Ah, that that James Whitefella is pretty good. That James Whitefella can definitely do it. And so, I mean, the Patriots have an opportunity to try and get those matchups. I wouldn't say that they are ideal if you you can't really expect to score 30 plus points if you're just dumping it off to your running back at every turn other players are going to have to emerge but that's definitely something that you should be watching for as Josh McDaniels as the Patriots is that okay if you're stalling maybe this is a way that you can jump start a drive get some yards and, and kind of get some breathing room nice I like that how about the Rams defense as a can they get pressure, you know, what's broken record, right? Get pressure up the middle, rush three and four, get to Tom Brady. Don't blitz too much. Let's pick you apart. A lot, a lot of press man coverage. Can the Rams do that? I know on paper they have the talent to just destroy offensive lines, but this whole line has been stellar mm-hmm. this offseason. Brady has not been sacked this postseason. Do you think the Rams are built to basically just destroy that offensive line, hit Brady a bunch early, and then get him off his game? Well, I mean, the, the most important matchup of the game will be on that interior of the Patriots' offensive line. You got Aaron Donald, unanimous All-Pro, 41 quarterback hits in the regular season, 20 and a half sacks. That is Yikes. preposterous. And then you got right next to him, Ndamukong Sue. He got 19 quarterbacks of his own. He's like, what, a seven-time first-team All-Pro? He's like very, very talented in his own right. So this is a very, very good defensive interior, but... Joe Tooney's been excellent. David Andrews been excellent. Shaq Mason's been excellent. This is arguably the best interior line in all of football. Not going to say it's going to be easy, but 
they've done a pretty good job against a pretty strong defensive interior lineup. Uh, the Chargers, I know that their ends are a little bit better, but they use Melvin Ingram on the interior a little bit. He's got that same quickness as Aaron Donald uh, because he's a little bit smaller. Uh, and, and then you got Chris Jones of the Chiefs. He's another good pass rusher up the middle. So this isn't the first time they've had to play a great defensive tackle. This is the first time that they've had to play two really good ones. Uh, so they will have their hands full. It's not going to be easy, but if the Patriots are able to get rid of the ball as quickly as they have been able to in the past two games, they should be able to negate it a little bit. Yeah, sorry, I wanted to pick uh, Joe Tooney as my X-Factor. I don't think I picked him all season. He's my guy, and I haven't really made an X-Factor out of him. I think because he's been so consistent, it's almost like I feel like I was cheating putting him as an X-Factor. I was really tempted to pick him this time as my X-Factor, but again, I think it's such an obvious pick, an offensive lineman against a very tough Rams defensive line, so I'm going to stray away from that as much as I'd like to stick with Tooney. I, I touched on him a little earlier in the podcast. I just had this funny feeling, man, way deep down in my ample gut that, that Cordero Patterson is going to have a big game. Maybe not on the stat sheet, you know, he won't have like 100 yards receiving, but I can see him with like a, a big return that sets up good field position, a couple of end arounds or a jet sweep for a, for a key first down, and like one over the middle kind of, maybe like one touchdown grab for like 30 yards. It's not like a, a massive, massive stat sheet, but like every time he touches the ball, something good happens. I just see him being kind of the thing that McVay can't quite figure out, can't quite get his head around, and then using him in a way maybe they haven't before this season. And that will also, I think the the quick release you talked about, I think getting him the ball quick in space where he can make that one cut and go where he excels will really help the Patriots out. So if they're really looking to get the ball out of their, their hands quick, I think Patterson, along with James White, are two good guys for that, that strategy. Interesting. I like that a lot. I think Patterson does deserve the opportunity to get the ball in his hands because he does make so much happen with it. But if you're looking at the Patriots offense, Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski, James White, you can even throw Sony Michelle in there. They are what you get. You know what to expect with them. The players that have been a little bit more inconsistent on a game-to-game level have been Chris Hogan, Cordero Patterson, Philip Dorsett, Rex Burkhead. Of those players, who would you expect to have the biggest game against the Rams, and who do you expect to have the smallest? Biggest game, I'm going to say Philip Dorsett. Uh, maybe, he, maybe he finally got his the credit he so deserves with the, the touchdown against the Chiefs and pass interference. I feel like every time he, the ball is thrown his way, he catches it. And I think that he's just, you know, like I, we talked about in our defensive podcast on, on Tuesday, how, you know, the Rams are a lot of weapons on their team and the Patriots match up well. I just don't know if the, the Rams have the depth in the secondary to cover everybody. And so if you're focusing on Edelman, you're focusing on Gronkowski, you're focusing on James White, that's going to leave somebody getting open. I think that Dorsett's a little more consistent than Chris Hogan. Uh, so I think he's probably my, my, my biggest guy. Um, least i'd probably say rex burkhead i just i like rex burkhead and i think i i could sit here and i'd like now and talk enough to convince myself move him to the one spot because he's just the kind of guy he's just like nothing nothing huge first down nothing nothing game winner i'd like he's such a boomer bust player and i'm not sure where he fits into this to this game plan so that's i guess my my, my floor and ceiling with those two yeah interesting well I, i'm actually going to try and convince you on that one because burkhead is my my number one out of that because yeah. he's the running back that the patriots rely on that they don't tell what they're going to do right you mentioned that earlier that when the patriots have michelle on the field it's a it's a run play about 80 percent of the time when they have james white on the field it's a pass play about 80% of the time. It's pretty much an even 50-50 split when you have Burkhead out there, and that's why the Patriots like him as that red zone running back because the opposing team doesn't know what to do. The field's a little bit smaller with only those 20 yards, and so that'll generate some more space, allow them to get to that line of scrimmage or towards that goal line. 
And so if the Patriots are able to get into scoring position, which I think they will against this Rams defense, Rex Burkhead, I think he'll have an opportunity to really shine down there, put up either some points or just get some critical yardage. Even if you won't outgain White or Mitchell, uh, I think he'll just be able to to get some good yardage. That's really important in a time of need. Uh, the player that I think will get the least, Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan, yeah. uh, I mean, he's had a solid year by all measures, you know, 530 yards. That's nothing really to sneeze at, even though it's not what we were all expecting. It's not bad. You know, it's better than what he did last year. Uh, it's it's better than he did anything with the Bills. So he's been fine. But most important with his utilization is just how they kind of use him as that sacrificial lamb. I mean, you can go back to Randy Moss not wanting to be a decoy or what they did with Brandon Lloyd and even Brandon LaFell at times. They have a certain player that they just send deep. <laughs> that draws the safety attention. It opens up things underneath, draws away one of the better defensive backs. I mentioned that Aqib Tlaib does not leave one side of the field the entire game. I could see the Patriots using that to their advantage and saying, Chris Hogan, go, Chris Hogan, go, and trying to gas Aqib Tlaib as much as possible throughout the game. And maybe that'll open up an opportunity in the fourth quarter to really bust something through or just tire him out. So when you start running the ball, he's not going to want any part of it. So Chris Hogan, he might not have a big day from a, a yardage perspective, and that's my point right here. I don't think he's going to get too much from a receiving standpoint, but he still will have an important role. He still will be on the field. And he'll, he'll still have some use for that offense opening up the field for other players. Speaking of maybe not getting as many yards, but having a major role in other ways on the field, that's a good segue to talking about Rob Gronkowski, Rich, who has been a machine as a blocking tight end the whole season, but especially in the playoffs, late in the season into the playoffs. He kind of came alive a little bit against the Chiefs, a, not a massive Gronk day, but a couple of huge catches, that big third down conversion, that, that go route over Eric Berry, I believe. He was in the game as a receiver. He was a threat. How do you see the Patriots utilizing Rob Gronkowski? you think he's got one more big kind of Gronk game left in him, or because of the defensive line, is he any more of a blocker this game? Uh, I, I could see it going either direction. I mean, last week against the Chiefs, he had 11 targets. That was a season high. But you also say, okay, um, they do have a really good pass rush. And so he was used as a receiver against the Chiefs, despite the fact that they had D Ford and Justin Houston coming around the edge. So he was still able to produce. Uh, I know that's not the same as interior pressure, but there should still be opportunities for Gronkowski to produce in both facets of the game. I wouldn't be surprised if early on he were used as primarily as a blocker, trying to draw the defense into a false sense of security, maybe. So then when the play action does come, it'll be super effective. He'll be able to pick up that chunk 20, 25 yards at a time. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't expect him to have more than 50 yards on the day, but... If, if he's able to score a touchdown, that's gravy. If he's able to open up the field for some other players, that's probably more likely. I could see him being utilized to open up some, some opportunities for Julian Edelman down the field, but I don't expect a vintage Gronk performance. I don't think he's incapable of it. I just think that it's not super probable. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I, I also think, I mean, if, if, are you to think this is, this is Ronger, has, do you think this is Rob Gronkowski's last game as a Patriot? Um, I mean, at, at this point, I wouldn't blame him if he wanted to retire. I also wouldn't blame him if he's like, I mean, I'd rather you cut me than me walk away from this. Uh, and honestly, if he wanted to, 
just be that blocking tight end. Maybe he can convert his salary into just a pure incentive based as a receiver, and he can just keep blocking for four million a year and you know mentor someone else. That'd be a, a great role for him because he's still an extra offensive tackle in that blocking spot. So I wouldn't necessarily say that he's definitely done. I wouldn't be shocked if this were the end, if they win the Super Bowl, because if I were Gronk, I mean, you have nothing left to prove. Your body is at its last ropes as a receiver. And how much joy does he get from his blocking versus as a receiver? I I think we've seen this year there's that little mental strain of uh, wishing what could have been. And I don't think he'd want to do another full year as just a pure blocker. No, I'm with you. I think if they win, he'll walk away. He's got to watch out for his health and his future. He's not – as stupid as he appears sometimes, he's actually a pretty smart guy in terms of long-term investment in himself and his future. I think if they win this game on Sunday, he will walk away from the game and no one will fault him for it at all. But the question is, though, Rich, will they win the game on Sunday? It is time for our final prediction of the 2018 season. What a wild ride it's been. Sometimes we were right. Sometimes we were wrong. Sometimes we were both really wrong. But it's all <laughs> up to this one. Uh, I technically won last week because I picked the Patriots, you picked the Chiefs. However, I'm going to pull a Bill Belichick and defer to you on this one. You've picked the Chargers over the Patriots in the divisional round. You picked the Chiefs over the Patriots in the AFC Championship. It is the Super Bowl now. It is Rams-Patriots. What do you got? Oh, man. Uh, you throw me under the bus here on this one. Yep. Uh, so I did not choose the Patriots those first two games. I thought that the Chargers were a superior team overall. I was very clearly wrong. I thought that the Chiefs team at home were a superior and easy choice to make. And I was wrong. I still think if you go back to one of our podcasts before the conference championship game, even go back to the divisional round maybe, and I said, which team in the playoffs is the worst possible matchup for New England? And I said the Rams. I think I said that the Rams, even with the Chiefs, even with the Saints, those teams still on the board, I said that the Rams were the worst possible matchup for the Patriots because, talk about their offense on Tuesday's podcast, they got that zone rushing attack that they got from Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan. Patriots have historically not done great against them. And you have two great runners in Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson. The fact that the Rams might be able to control the line of scrimmage, I get a little bit nervous. Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, I think that the Patriots secondary can do a good enough job against them. I think the Patriots have some good matchups there. But the Rams' offense is great. They, I mean, the Patriots will not be able to shut them down the entire game. I think that they should be able to score some points. And if their running attack is successful, it could be tough for the Patriots to to do anything on defense. Other side of the ball... The way that you always beat the Patriots, pressure up the middle, tight coverage. And the the Rams are capable of doing that. They've played more zone recently, but I could see them flipping it back to man because you have to. Yeah, if if the Patriots get enough time for Tom Brady to throw those quick passes to James White, then it doesn't matter how good Dominican Sue or Aaron Donald are, they're just gonna be removed from the game. There's no point. If they can force Brady to hold it for three Mississippi Donald's going to get home. He's just that good. He's the best defensive player in the entire league. And so you get Marcus Peter, you get Aqib Tlaib, you got these two first-team all-pro caliber defensive backs. You get them playing you know, tight coverage. You got Nikel Roby Coleman, a really, really good slot corner. Get him playing tight coverage against Julian Edelman. Not going to say they'll be perfect, but 
They're good enough that they can manhandle the Patriots' outside receivers. I think Tlaib can get his hands on Chris Hogan and win. I think that Marcus Peters can get his hands on what, Philip Dorsett and win. I mean, the the way that the Rams are going to do it is that they have such a strong defensive front that they're going to make the Patriots have to run the ball, and they're not going to let them pass it. And so at the end of the day, this Rams team still scares me. This Rams team is super well-rounded. I know that their defense isn't amazing, but it's good enough. And so at the end of the day, I'm predicting a Rams victory in this one, 36-28. to 28. Good job, Rich. Consistency. I like it. Good work. All right. Well, we've got the Patriots. They are 11-5. and five. They are the two seed. They had a bye in the first round. Won a playoff game. Won maybe no one thought they were going to win in the cold weather. Went on the road to a team that everyone thought was going to go all the way, beat them on the road, and are coming against to play the St. Louis Rams, a high-flying, potent offense. <laughs> I just described simultaneously 2001 and 2018. The, the similarities are startling here, Rich. The only real concern I have is the fact that the Patriots played the Eagles last year and the Eagles had their loss avenged. I am very concerned there might be some weird karmic justice going on where the Rams win and the Patriots make it next year and they play the Panthers and the Panthers win. But I'm not going to talk about that right now. I think there's just too much going on. I think there's too much of a this is it. This is for us. This is worse. We're underdogs. We're still here. It's us against the world. Everyone thinks we suck. This is a very unique in-between period of Super Bowl week. The Patriots have never paid attention to the quote-unquote media the way they have this year. They've let things trickle in the way they haven't before, and they're really galvanized by that. And I think that Tom Brady is more cognizant than ever of how little time he has left in this league. He says 45, and I still believe him, but I think he realizes that it's a lot harder to play at a high level with each passing day when you hit his age. And it's not anybody's fault. It's just you get old, you start breaking down. Just the way it is, he's managed to stave off the inevitable for a very long time, and he'll keep doing it. But as you mentioned, he has not played as well as he has in seasons past, and that's just probably going to keep trending that way until he finally can't play anymore. However, I think the Patriots are playing too well right now. They have too much momentum. I think they have too much experience. There's a rookie, basically a first-time Super Bowl quarterback, a first-time Super Bowl coach your schedule's all messed up the timing's all whacked out you've got a lot on your plate it's very overwhelming for a lot of people like the fact the Patriots have been there so many times before will bode well in their favor I don't think the Patriots are going to lose this game I think they're going to get their sixth Lombardi trophy rich and I could not be happier about it I'm going to go with 17 to 20 Patriots win 20 to 17 in an exact exact replica of the Super Bowl 36 win with Adam Vinatieri hopefully it will come down to Steven Goskowski because I don't know if I can handle that but (laughs) as every Every, every Patriot Super Bowl goes, there'll be no points in the first quarter. There'll be one, maybe two plays that decide the whole thing. It's going to be a one score or less game. Tom Brady will have the ball in his hands late with a chance to win it. And I'm not going to have one second of fun until it's all over. But the Patriots are going to win 20-17. Oh, man. Well, I hope you're right about the outcome. I hope I'm wrong. I would love to be proven wrong three times in a row. Not that they have anything to do with me. But I would love for the Patriots to get their sixth Lombardi. Just, I mean, they've already cemented themselves as the best dynasty in all of NFL history. This would just make anyone who doubts it, denies it, just look even more like a, a sore loser. So, I mean, it would just be fantastic for the Patriots to, to really cement that. Alec, 
I hope that our next podcast is going to be a great one. It'll be after the Super Bowl. Do you have any final thoughts before the New England Patriots take on the Los Angeles Rams in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I know I say this all the time because they're always in it, but if you're nervous or you're freaking out or you're stressed about what people are saying, don't be, man. A, it's just sports. Who cares at the end of the day? B, it's supposed to be for fun. This is a hobby. We all do it because we enjoy it. And C, like, just relax. Enjoy this. Take advantage of it. This may never happen again. I know I say it all the time, but maybe this is the last one, Rich. You never know. So ride it out. (laughs) But also on that same point, if you have that lucky seat and you have that lucky drink and you wear that lucky hat and it's made it this far, if you don't do that and they lose, that is entirely your fault and uh, you should get all blamed for it. Happy night and sweet dreams, everyone. (laughs) Until (laughs) next time, you have a good one. See you, buddy. Later, man.